welcome to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, which are now entering their fourth year of broadcast. Who would have thought that when Seth died in 2014, all these years later we would be making a podcast in his memory? It's a really exciting time for Charlotte and me. We've been recording 30 podcasts, one for each day in November, as part of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Charlotte has been talking to all kinds of people involved with pancreatic cancer and over the next 30 days we will hear lots of personal stories. Stories of love, stories of commitment, stories of hope and sadly, as always with pancreatic cancer, stories of loss. Each story will help you understand the challenges of pancreatic cancer as well as the signs and symptoms and will help you to have conversations with people and ensure that they are aware of what to look out for. Join us each day for our Purple Rainbow podcast. If you miss any of the episodes, you can catch up by visiting www.purplerainbow.co.uk where all of the podcasts will be stored for you to listen to at your leisure. Follow us on your podcast channel, like and share, And join us for an interesting month with lots of stories of love and hope. Welcome to today's episode of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. This is one of 30 episodes you'll be getting across November 2021 for Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm Charlotte and today I'm talking to Dan Kennedy. A few weeks ago, you may well have seen a documentary on ITV Tonight about pancreatic cancer. Well, it's Dan who filmed his dad for the programme who is talking to me today. My father was diagnosed uh, very late following five visits to his GP. He was more or less told that there was nothing that uh, medical science could do for him. So uh, as a family, we then spent the best part of three months watching him starve to death. Um, And during that period, I became, and so did my family, we became obsessed with trying to find cures, trying to find medicine or procedures that could help him, that could save his life. Because up until that point, he was a very, very active dad and granddad, uh, still sort of semi-retired, really. Um, And he was still working, volunteering in his local conservation society. He was obsessed with bird watching and classical music. And he used to write academic books that nobody read, Um, you know, and when he got ill and when he realised there was nothing that could be done for him, um, he was very angry and very depressed, as you could imagine. Oh, so to answer your question, um, (laughs) all this research I did, I also got really, really angry. And I decided that something had to be done because I make films, I mean, mainly corporate films, but because... I, you know, I, I can edit and I'm a cameraman and I like, you know, I decided to take the camera in there. I asked his permission. Um, he was getting really quite ill at this point. Um, and I interviewed him for several well, hours and hours on end over a number of days. And very few of that made it into the, into the documentary because we only had half an hour. But one of the things it enabled me to do is that I went to see my dad every day. And... I knew he was dying and he knew he was dying. And yet he sort of didn't want to talk about that. Um, He was quite depressed and I didn't know what to say to him. I mean, it sounds awful because time is so, so precious. But I ran out of things to say because it's a very, 
you know, oh, the weather's nice today, Dad. And, you know, so by taking a camera in and asking him questions about himself and how he felt about pancreatic cancer, it kind of enabled me to hide behind the camera. And it also enabled him to hide behind the camera as well. Um, it kind of gave me a reason to be there without feeling, without feeling nervous, really, or apprehensive. I totally get that. I think because my life has been spent behind a microphone, it kind of, I guess it allows us that, like you say, that, that excuse, that detachment almost, because you can go, well, this is a work thing now. And it takes it that little tiny fraction removed so that you can you can do all that. Was your dad surprised that you asked him to do that, if he would be okay to do this? Um, well, at that stage, because he was so tired and so ill, he chose his words very carefully and he just said, um, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it's a good idea is what he said. Um, you know, he, he was angry because he was under the impression that um, you know, all the messages that come out about cancer are message number one, um, by raising money, the good people of Britain will fund research and that research um, will save lives. And message number two is, is that together we can beat cancer. And none of those are true for pancreatic cancer. Um, as far as, the, as far as the statistics are concerned, I know amazing things are being done. I've met lots of people and interviewed lots of people about the amazing things that are being done. Um, but my dad was shocked that his life had to end and he, he really didn't want to go. So, um, you know, people are thanking me on, on Twitter and I feel a bit, I, I mean, I feel a bit slightly uncomfortable because, um, because there are people out there, um, you know, this charity and the other charities that have been working on this for years and years and years and years and they've got great ideas and great research and great science officers and great PR teams but um, I don't know what it's going to take I hope my film the film we made with ITV um, has helped but what, I, what I'm concerned about is actually it may have actually emboldened scientists and the charities to think great we're getting some national proper national coverage now, our own documentary, albeit short on this subject. But is that just being celebrated amongst the people in the pancreatic cancer community? Or have we reached a wider audience? Have we reached Parliament a bit more? Have we reached Boris Johnson? Was making the documentary cathartic for you as 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 a um, son? Yes, because... Um, I wasn't really close to my dad growing up. Um, we, t we tended to clash as sons and dads can do, you know. Mothers and daughters um, do as well. <laughs> yeah, I know they do. I know they do. But when I, as, soon as, I left, as soon as I left home, um, we began to like each other a lot more. And, um, and he was a really good dad to me in later life. And he became a really, really good friend. Um, you know, we used to see him a lot and he used to look after my kids. And he was just, he was just great. A great guy. So, but again, we didn't have that relationship where we would cuddle. It wasn't a huggy relationship. He was from that, uh, you know, post-war kind of men who didn't do that kind of thing. Um, and so, and so, this enabled me to kind of it, it enabled me to, I guess, make something important out of a horrible death, for which we could do nothing about. We were all powerless. 
And I know that your listeners who've been through this will know that that going into the hospital to see someone when there is nothing you can do and there is nothing science can do. Um, so it gave me something to try and achieve that was positive out of uh, out of the ultimate negative. Would you do it again if you could go back in time? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I probably would. Um, I'm heavily indebted to ITV um, because I made I made a taster film, uh, uh, like a ten minute, very powerful taster film, and we filmed in. I, I found we filmed some we filmed some people in Sweden. Um, we got some interviews with people in Germany. I interviewed people on, um, in the US. I went to interview lots of people at Liverpool University and it was a lot of work. And then um, it, it, as a film, it kept getting knocked back. It was knocked back all the time. Nobody wanted it. And that was really upsetting because not only had I lost my dad, nobody was interested in pancreatic cancer. And I couldn't tell why because it had all the things, all the things I would have thought that science-related TV would like. Um, impending disaster unless a government or those in power um, decide to manage the future burden of cancer facing the nation. There's going to be a lot of deaths and nobody seemed to be interested, which was really gut-wrenching for me. Every rejection was like, how can you How can you do this? I feel my dad dying. How can you do this? But ITV were brilliant. Um, the team at ITV tonight were, you know, absolutely brilliant. Um and, you know, yeah, we, I think I'm indebted to them. Obviously, the film has been out now. What reaction have you had? The reaction has been really good. Um, and I've been quite shocked because I was expecting quite a lot of criticism from the scientific community because they, we oversimplified this. And you didn't mention, you know, you didn't, you didn't mention the difference between endocrine and, and you know, this type of Because scientists can be like that. But so far, they haven't been. And um, a lot of the scientists and the charity uh, charities and all their amazing fundraisers um, have all been amazing. And they've all been saying, this is fantastic. It's great news for pancreatic cancer. I mean, if, if it, I, you know, I hope this has got to a wider audience outside that group because it's a bit like preaching to the converted, you know. Um, and even in this podcast now, I'm pro people who are listening to it will have been affected in some way by pancreatic cancer. So I'm preaching to the converted, aren't I? It would be nice if I could get on the Today programme with Leslie or with uh, Diana Jupp or some of your or Ali Stunt, some of those other people who are just as passionate and, pro and more knowledgeable than me. And we can um, give a government minister a hard time. Um, that's what it really needs. But yeah, the reaction, to answer your question, the reaction has been amazing. And it has, I've been thrilled. I've been really thrilled. Like, like I, I can open up my, my phone now and there's someone's pinging me from Atlanta or from, hey, we can't get, and so Australia, we can't get your film. How can we see it? And I'm saying, well, it's half hour current affairs program. And, um, but there is a, you know, there is a demand for people to see it. And um, it would be good as a resource when my dad was diagnosed and my family and I, we were on the internet all night, up all night trying to find a cure. And I think something like this, although it is quite a heavy, I mean, there was a light touch to this documentary, which is down to the director, Luke Rufo. There's a light touch to it as well, but it is not a barrel of laughs. Um, it, it, it really isn't. And But I think it would help people come to terms if they've only just discovered what this is all about. 
Um, I think it might help them. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's true. It's because it, people want hope. And I don't know if this really gives them hope. It's always difficult. It's always difficult to to see it and to know it. But I think what gives people hope is seeing the human interaction. And sometimes it gives people hope to know they're not on their own or they're not the only person to be going through this. And I talk about, I can't often say that you have the patient who's diagnosed and then you almost have this secondary diagnosis because the family have to deal with everything that's going on. And by very definition, their health is affected. It's either their, you know, and I, because I, I say mental and physical health, just it's one thing, it's health is affected. So you've got, you know, the, the, the mental health issue of looking after someone who's being diagnosed, looking after yourself, knowing that someone you love has been diagnosed and the, the prognosis is not pretty. And also that usually ends up to being a, a physical side to it as well, because you end up caring for them. So you're adding to your your workload and your physical workload as well with doing everything else. So sometimes, yes, the focus is absolutely on the patient, but there also needs to be that focus on the the surround the, the people surrounding the patient and how well they are doing as well. And I think that's I think that is important. And I think we talk about the community. That's where the community really comes in. It's almost like little arms get wrapped around and go, "We'll help you get you through this." Or we'll we'll be with you every step of the way, and I think that's where the hope comes from. It's not the hope in the traditional sense, but it's um, I suppose knowing other people have been through what you're going through, and you've got stories to. It's the coming together, the human spirit coming together. So, well, I hope I hope the film helped. I think it did. Um, I think it helped people come together, explain the fight, what's what's happening. We touch a little bit on what needs to happen. Only, only a little bit, but yeah, I hope it uh, has helped brought the pancreatic cancer community together even more than they already were um, ahead of what's going on in November, what's happening in November. Sometimes as well, bringing people together gives everyone a collective kick up the bum to do something as well, to just go, okay, it's that, we're, let's let's raise our voices more again okay because it can it, it does a lot of the time feel like you're banging your head against the brick wall you're shouting into a closed door a closed room but sometimes you you know something like the program you made is enough to be that little rallying cry to uplift people again and yeah. you know maybe raise the voices louder this time well i hope so you know um on the tv um over the last uh, month or so there have been the uh, the pressure group uh, which have been blocking roads all over, well, mainly in and around London, actually. Um, and I can see how if you are driving to hospital or you are, you, you know, you are driving to work or you're going to pick up your kids or um, I can see how that would really, really wind you up. And um, but at the same time, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're, they are complaining, they are agitating about something that is really important to them. They think, you know, they call it the survival of the planet. Now, um, I just wonder whether, uh, how would people feel if, if people from pancreatic cancer charities were um, stopping, stopping all the traffic around Leicester Square? For some, I don't know what would happen. I'm not, I'm not advocating this, but 
it's an important topic, isn't it? And you can see how people are moved to desperation to try and affect change. You can see why they do it, even if you don't necessarily agree with it. Or maybe you do agree with it. You just don't want to be in a car stuck behind a bus uh, for several hours. Um, there's one other thing I thought about the film, which was because um, we had to make a lot of cuts. Things had to be cut out. We And that was the most difficult thing. And there was a quite a team involved that, big team at ITV tonight involved in that. And that was, we wanted to make quite a lot of the um, the specialist nurses. Because very often it is the, it's the sexy surgeons, it's the, it's the super scientists coming in, telling you what's going to happen, um, that dominate the, uh, the films. But, um, and I did a tweet about this, the, the, the unsung heroes of pancreatic cancer are the specialist nurses because they have to get up in the morning, they have to go to work knowing that some of their patients, um, a proportion of their patients um, are dying. They know that they will have new patients and there is a significant possibility that they will have to be told that they are dying. There are those that have um, about to have treatment, um, whether that's chemotherapy or whether it's the Whipple or whatever procedure it is, um, um, gastric bypass, pretty brutal um, procedures um, that may only palliatively extend their life by a few months. Um, and they have to go in and they have to know all about these procedures, all about the medication, all about the diet, all about the surgical implications. And they have to be, I mean, I call it professional friendship. They have to be a professional friend to that patient because very often when that patient realizes that they are going to die, and they, you know, they don't all die, obviously, but um, the statistics are grim, that they then have to have this professional relationship with the specialist nurse, you know, who talks to them and um, and sometimes says how much of how and and, and if this if this patient is really, really upset, the specialist nurse has to kind of, how much of this do you want your family to know? You know, they become this, it's a it is a special relationship and it is a job i mean that to me specialist nurses especially especially in hpb pancreatic cancer specialists that is a serious that's a real job a real job and i couldn't do it with films like this it, it wouldn't have been possible if uh if the people who were in it ostensibly who were suffering julie um andy and vanessa i mean they let us into their lives and um, you can't make uh, you can't make a documentary without these people letting you into their lives, and they're doing that because they, you know, in the hope that things will get better. I'm sure of it. Thanks to Dan for speaking with me and sharing his and his dad's story. You've got until the end of this week, Sunday the 14th of November, to catch up with Dan's programme on ITV Hub. But I think that's only if you're in the UK. I don't think it's got the international rights. Um, you can, of course, share this podcast too and leave us a review and a rating. And don't forget, we're here every day in November raising awareness of pancreatic cancer. You can find out more at purplerainbow.co.uk. And I'll be back tomorrow.